May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. At the beginning of this new church school year, we prayed that God would increase in us true religion. I often reflect on those words. What in the world does true religion mean? Trendy blue jeans in department stores? A system of belief about God and the universe? Could it be a worship style, a lifestyle, a condition of piety? Well, what did Thomas Cranmer himself mean by true religion when he wrote that prayer back in circa 1550? Paul Zoll, our previous dean in his book, The Colleagues of Thomas Cranmer, had this to say. What is true religion? We know that we know how the reformers would answer that question. True religion accepts the full diagnosis of the psychogenetic defect known as sin. True religion casts all humanity's hope for release from this defect on Christ, his sacrifice and resurrection. True religion looks to the Bible and nothing beyond the Bible for the word from God. So true religion begins with what we believe that the Bible says about God, or what it says about the human condition, and what it says about humanity's hope to be delivered. And all this by way of introduction to what St. Paul has written in second Tim excuse me, in First Timothy, the second chapter, these magnificent words. Paul said, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. So for Paul, that was the basis for true religion. There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And so it begins with, the, the truth begins with that there is one God. But even before he gets there, he, he, the emphasis on the fact that this is the truth. He desires all men to come to the knowledge of truth. In other words, true religion is, something, is not something to be chosen like our favorite beverage from a soda machine. There are a lot of claims to religious truth. And so why should anyone consider Christianity above Muhammad, Confucius, Buddha, Charles Taz Russell, Je Jehovah's Witness, Joseph Smith, and a host of others? Well, for Paul, we should choose Christianity not because it feels right or because it gives us more peace and because it might help us uh, to sleep better and be uh, more happy, although it might do all of these things, but Paul wants us to choose it because it is the one true religion. And nowhere do I think that the truth about one true religion, about God, the human condition, and our hope is more succinctly laid out than what we have just heard. And it begins with the fundamental aspect of true religion, that there is one God. That's the way the Bible begins. In the beginning, God. God is assumed. 
The Bible doesn't start off with a saying, for the, co- for the following cosmological reasons, we assert that there is one God. It just says, I believe in God. That's where we begin the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. That's about as fundamental as it's going to get. One of my favorite old movies is, is the movie Tin Man, starring Daddy, Danny DeVito. That's an old movie. But a friend of Danny DeVito is, is said that he has finally come to believe in a God uh, in one of those all-you-can-eat smorgasbords. And, you know, it really is an interesting concept. I, I wonder how any atheist can believe that there's no God if he's standing in the middle of a beautiful smorgasbord. But he says, you know, I'm starting, <clears throat> standing there in the buffet line, and I'm looking at all the vegetables. And I'm looking at the potatoes and the broccoli and the sausage and the various beans. And, and I say to myself, all this stuff just came up out of the soil. And the more I looked at them and the more I smelled them, the more I thought, all this stuff just came out of nowhere. Plus the collars and beets and the corn and the okra. It just came up out of the dirt. And I haven't gotten to the fruit yet, he said. And so I say to myself, you know, I think there's a God. I believe in God. Well, Danny DeVito convinces them that they're not there to talk about theology. And the movie goes on, but you get the point. The psalmist writes, there's only a fool with saying in his heart there is no God. But according to this, <clears throat> according to St. Paul, as basic as fundamental as that, as that is, it's not enough. I was at a wine and cheese party not long ago. <clears throat> Someone came up to me that it seemed to me had more wine than cheese. <clears throat> <clears throat> he said, Dean Limehouse, you don't know me, I'm sure, but I'm a member of your church. But I hadn't been to church in a long time, to be honest with you, unless it was a, a, a wedding or two or a funeral. Uh, I just don't go. But for whatever it's worth, I consider myself, and I want you to know this, I consider myself a religious man. I believe in God, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the bottom line. Well, brothers and Christians, brothers and sisters, the truth be known, the bottom line is a lot more profound than that. There's this little verse in James' epistle that I love. James says, you believe that there is one God? You do well, but even the devil believes that. In other words, knowledge of the truth, true religion, doesn't end with the fact that there is one God, which why the apostle goes on to the next crucial point when he says, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And so according to this, just as there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Now, the basic sense of a mediator is of a person is of a person whose task it is to bring about reconciliation between two parties that are not getting along very well. And the fact that we need a mediator in, in this basic uh, proclamation of the truth implies that <clears throat> that we have a situation with God that's not easy to reconcile. Now, I won't go into details, but I'm embarrassed to admit that we have had to call on a mediator to help with a relationship that I've had with someone that is previously very close in my extended family. I crave for reconciliation, uh, but it's obvious that we come to, that we come to an impasse. Well, maybe you can identify. But from the dawn of history, man has felt this alienation, this separation from God. And the big question of religion is, how can we make a positive connection with this one God that does, in fact, exist? And all religions must tackle this problem. And any religion that does not provide a way, any religion that does not provide access to God, quite frankly, isn't worth the paper that it is written on. 
And every other religion that I know of, <clears throat> in some way or another, <clears throat> puts the burden of reconciliation back on me. There's a slogan that J.H. Ranch Ministries uses, and Paul McKenna, Paul McKennedy, the new headmaster of the day school, shared it with us last Sunday in the dean's class, and he and I agree on this. <clears throat> the slogan goes, you only live life once, but if you live it right, once is enough. Well, that's all fine and good, but in that case, give me Buddhism and reincarnation because I'm going to need another chance. I'm going to need another life to live this thing right. And only Christianity provides an answer to my problem of alienation. And so let us thank God that Paul concludes this statement of truth by telling us that Jesus is a mediator who did something. He writes, there's one mediator, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Now, the figure of a ransom paid is very simple, and it is frequently used to describe in the New Testament to describe the work of Christ. And our Lord himself spoke of himself as giving his life as a ransom for many. The notion of a ransom is the idea of paying a price demanded for the redemption of a captured person. Theologically speaking, men and women all over the world are captive to sin, and the wages of sin are death. And in a sense, we're all on, on death row. To liberate us was the end of Christ's mediation, but how was this deliverance to be effected? I mean, God's law had to be honored. Divine justice, which demanded the punishment of the offender, must be satisfied. And so thanks be to God, the mediator did more than just talk. He did something. He gave his life as a ransom for many. The debt has been paid in full. We all have loved ones in heaven. I mean, do you ever wonder what someone that you loved is going on, is doing? <clears throat> Revelation 5, 9. The saints in heaven sing a new song, saying, Worthy art thou, for thou wast slain, and by thy blood didst ransom all men for God from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. And so this theme, that they were, trans that they were ransomed by his blood, forms the one theme of all the glorified saints in heaven. Isn't that a remarkable thing to consider? Reliable surveys tell us that the overwhelming majority of people in the world adhere to some form of religion. The problem is that there are 21 major religions in the world, and there are literally thousands of others. To say the least, there are a lot of religious voices crying for our attention. There is nothing new under the sun. And in the aftermath of working with this sermon this week, I've ordered a poster for 1195, and the poster is taken from X-Files tagline that says the truth is out there. You remember Special Agent Mox Mulder? The truth is out there. Well, Mulder had something different in mind, but the Apostle Paul is desperately trying to convince us that the truth is out there. The truth that God desires all men to believe, simply this, that there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And this is the bottom line to true religion. 
May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this. For Jesus' sake, amen.